Welcome to the Metaphorist's Magazine podcast, your home for beautifully made speculative fiction. The magazine is edited by B. Morris Allen, and I'm your host, Matt Gomez. This week's story, narrated by the author, is It Thaws in Spring by Brittany M. Perkins. Brittany M. Perkins resides in not quite a small town, but definitely not a big city in the southern United States, with her three well-behaved cats and one horribly behaved cat. Since childhood, she has had the habit of disappearing into imaginary worlds. As an adult, she has yet to outgrow the habit of playing pretend. While she enjoys writing in many genres, she has a penchant for all things speculative. Let's jump in. Lena lived under the ice. She might have always been there, or perhaps she had lived on the surface once. It didn't matter. Lena could not remember a time when she had not floated in the still waters below the frozen pond, a time when she knew things other than damp and cold and dark. The under was a vast expanse of water which, with an effort of great concentration, could be molded into ghostly rooms or objects, though these structures were easily dispersed with a wave of the hand. Impermanence was the way of the under, and it was the way of the ice children as well. There were only four of them now, Lena and Edna and Rebecca and Julian and every winter began with the uncertainty of how many would remain. Winter was all Lena knew, all she could experience and remember. She never saw the pond melt in spring, although Edna assured her that it did. Edna never saw this either. Instead, Lena and the others awoke each winter, the ice above them firmly intact, aware that time had passed but unsure what had happened in the interim. And sometimes when winter came, someone would be missing. There had once been more of them, but Lena had not seen Raymond in four winters and Matteo in seven. Lena didn't remember much past twelve winters back, but she had heard other names of children who had disappeared before her memories began. Cindy, Lola, Isaac. After Raymond hadn't come back, the other children grew more and more distant until the under became a silent place, and Lena worried that one day he too would be only a name to them. Lena was drifting through the under, thinking of those who were no longer with them, when she spotted Edna sitting in a chair. A swirling current that had not quite solidified made up its curving frame, and an elaborate tea set was suspended in the space in front of her. Many winters back, before it had been just the four of them, Edna had often talked with Lena, but lately, Edna rarely acknowledged her at all. Lena approached the girl who had once taught her how to spin up towers and tea sets from the water around them. In the old days, Edna would brighten at Lena's approach and immediately invite her into a story or game she had come up with, but that never happened anymore. Today, Lena hovered beside Edna, studying her, while the other girl hardly seemed to notice. Can I join your party? Lena asked, conjuring a chair of her own, more solid than Edna's, and sitting across from her former friend. Edna glanced at the teapot and the cup in her hand as though seeing them for the first time. Lena waited a moment before continuing. What are you playing? Are you a princess or a society lady? Edna looked at Lena, opening her mouth as if to speak, but no sound emerged. Why don't you talk to me anymore? Lena asked. Why don't any of you ever want to play? Lena rose from her chair and the structure dispersed into the depths around them. You used to be fun, she said, and then softer. You used to like me. As Lena withdrew from the girl she had once considered a friend, she thought she heard Edna speak a barely audible rasp. I'm sorry. 
One of Leo's earliest memories was of Mateo, and it was really more of a feeling than a memory. The memory was a single image of Mateo, pushing a ball made of water toward her. He was laughing, and the feeling was of excitement and joy. That was the best way to describe Mateo, joyful. But the winter before he disappeared, something had been different. Once, that final winter, Lena had approached the watery rocket ship where Mateo had resided for going on three days. She crept through the half-formed hatch, careful not to disturb the structure's fragile architecture, and inched upward toward the boy who had once filled the underneath with such light and laughter. As Lena neared him, she could see that Mateo was in constant motion, wafting back and forth across the small space at the top of the rocket. Mateo? Lena called up to him. He did not answer, an eerie smile dragging up the corners of his mouth as if against their will. Are you all right? she asked. Do you want to play a game? Mateo floated in a slow circle to face her, and although his eyes met hers, they were cloudy and seemed not to see her at all. Then his right hand shot out, grasping for her. Lena couldn't remember what had happened next, but she knew that she had left, and the next thing she could picture in her mind's eye was talking to Raymond. None of the ice children knew how old they were, but Raymond had always felt older than the rest. So when she told him about Mateo's unresponsiveness, Lena expected an explanation. Instead, she received a shrug. That happens sometimes, Raymond said. Mateo is very social, and it's been hard on him not having new children to play with. But I asked him to play and he wouldn't talk to me, Lena said. Why does he need someone new if I'm right here? Raymond sighed, not meeting Lena's eyes. I don't know, Lena, he said, the slightest edge of frustration creeping into his voice. I've tried to tell them, all of them, to be grateful for what we have here, but they always want more. I can't make them happy, and I just... Raymond clenched his fists so hard and fast that a small current swirled around them. Then he looked at Lena. You're happy, right? Even with just the six of us? Of course, Lena said, though she wasn't sure that was true. She remembered that feeling of joy from years ago, but she couldn't think of the last time she'd felt it. I'm very happy, Raymond. When Mateo didn't come back during the following winter freeze, Lena had been confused. She was the only one who hadn't seen it happen before. Lena had searched for Mateo, and when she was nearly sure but not quite believing that Mateo was gone for good, Lena had asked Edna where he was. She received only a slow shake of the head in response before Edna drifted away, leaving a trail of silt in her wake. Lena soon learned it was taboo to talk about the disappearances, which was why she only had the whispered names of those who had already gone. But Raymond was different. Raymond would talk. One night, Raymond appeared beside the bed Lena had willed together out of water droplets. The ice children never slept in winter, but they did rest, and sometimes they dreamed. Lena had been dreaming. In the dream, a girl, whose face Lena could not see, hovered above her near the ice. Lena was falling away from the girl, as though sucked into an undertow. The girl's hand reached toward Lena, and Lena reached out in return, but their fingers never met. As the distance between the two increased, Lena saw a sunray peak around the girl's head, but she soon faded away, leaving Lena staring into the blaring sunlight. As Lena tried to call after the girl, she felt algae tickling at the sides of her mouth. She thought it was only part of the dream until a hand lightly brushed across her shoulder. The coldness of Raymond's skin, which was blue with chill and slightly slimy, like they all were, startled her. Before she could call out, Raymond put a slender finger to his lips. 
You want to know what happened, don't you? He did not wait for Lena to respond. Do you ever feel alone, Lena? Before she could think through the action, Lena nodded. We all do, and sometimes we feel so alone that we can't stand it. Sometimes during spring, we get so lonely that our ears are searching even if we are not, and sometimes our ears find them, the children of the surface. We might hear a laugh or a splash, but it's enough, enough to wake us and call us upward. Lena's eyes moved back to Raymond's. Does that mean the others went to the surface? She sat up, sending loose bubbles and mud flying as her pillow lost form and dispersed. Is Mateo up there now? We used to have many children, he said, and for a long time, it wasn't like this. We were happy, we played games, we weren't just quiet. But if they were lonely, why did they leave their friends? Lena's bed flittered into nothing as she flooded upright. They were bored with just us, he said. They needed new children, new friends. They got greedy, and now they're all gone. Are they on the surface? Lena's voice was pleading. No, we can't live up there. We can't go back. Not once we're here. Go back? She thought of the girl from her dream, reaching out to her from the surface. More of the surface children used to play on the ice in winter. They would skate and sled, and sometimes they would fall through. After a while, I guess they decided it was too dangerous. What happened when they fell? Lena thought she knew, but she didn't want to. She wanted to be wrong. At the edge of her memory, she heard the scrape of blades on ice. The ice children would save them, but to save them, we'd have to change them, get rid of who they were before. When the surface children stopped coming in the winter, the others still wanted to save them, but that doesn't work in the spring and only works with the ice. In the spring, they just drown or they swim away, and if we go after them, we disappear. He took a deep breath and the water swirled around his mouth. We're barely here in the spring, not even ghosts, and when we go up there, we're nothing. What if we go up in the winter? Lena asked. We don't. Why not? Because of the ice. And he turned and drifted away. Lena was lonely under the ice. She missed Raymond and his stories about how things used to be. She missed Mateo and his games and high spirits. And it was on a very lonely day when the sun breached the ice and let up the underneath that Lena first heard it, a child of the surface laughing. Lena soared upward, the water's temperature seeming to rise as she ascended, and stopped just in time not to hit her head on the ice. As she arrived, something thumped above her, and she saw a blurred shadow cover the ice above like a rug. Then the laughter came again, followed by a faint call. Claire, Claire, get back here. It's too dangerous. Come back to the shore. The caller's voice was like an ice pick driving into Lena's brain, and she suddenly felt scared and cold. Okay. This voice was closer, clearer, and somehow warmer as well, taking the edge off of Lena's fear. This voice came from the shadow, and as Lena realized this, the shadow moved, became smaller, and began to recede toward the edge of the pond the water cooling in its wake. Lena followed the shadow as fast as she could. Claire's shadow quickly outpaced her and was gone, taking the laughter with it. Lena continued her pursuit until she came to the pond's edge. She pressed a hand against it, mud wafting around the point of contact. She tried to grab a chunk of the muddy bank, but it was too tightly packed. 
Lena let go and wandered back toward the middle of the pond. When she returned, Lena saw two structures, and she could see the occupants of each through the water that comprised them. A cottage with missing bricks and a crooked chimney, Edna, and a ship that was cracked down the middle with only half a flag dangling from its two short mast, Rebecca and Julian. Lena burst into the cottage where Edna sat in a one-armed armchair, a plate balanced on her lap in front of a fire that would have been roaring had the flames been more than water held in shape by Edna's wishes. When Lena reached her, she stood in front of Edna's chair, blocking her view of the heatless flames. So what do you think happened to Raymond? Edna choked on her water droplet toast. What do you mean? She rasped. Edna looked older than Lena, but not by much. Lena knew Edna remembered longer, though, and knew things the others did not. I mean, where is he? And Mateo, where did they go? It's best not to. Her voice was clearer now, though still sharp around the edges. Raymond said they got lonely and bored and that you think they go to the surface and evaporate. Lena, I saw someone today. Edna's eyes brightened for a moment. Where? She was skating on top of the ice. A surface child. Lena paused, deciding whether or not to go on. Raymond said there used to be more of us. He said surface children would fall through the ice. Edna closed her eyes. Yes, she said. That was the way, but not anymore. Edna placed a hand on Lena's cheek. You used to be so warm, she said. And Lena felt a chill run through her, though she wasn't sure if it came from Edna's touch or her words. Lena recoiled and turned to face the fire, wishing it and its heat were real. I wish you still were, Edna said, reaching toward Lena again, her fingers barely brushing Lena's forearm before Lena fled, not wanting that chill to spread elsewhere on her body. Lena hovered briefly above the cottage, rubbing her cheek. Then she entered the ship where Rebecca and Julian were clapping their hands together, chanting nonsense rhymes and giggling. The two moved their hands in a circle and spun up three small dolls for the bubbles around them. The dolls hung near Rebecca's head, and she giggled again. "'What are you playing?' Lena asked, moving closer to the pair. "'Can I play too?' Lena could remember a time when she had played with the two, Edna called them twins, but that was long ago, when Matteo and Raymond still occupied the underneath. "'When you clap like that,' Lena added, still feeling Edna's cold handprint on her cheek. "'How does it feel?' The twins did not look at her. Did you hear something? Julian asked Rebecca, not breaking the rhythm of their clapping. Neither seemed to wince or react in the slightest to the other's touch. It's the dollies, Rebecca said, inclining her head toward the bubble creation suspended to her left. Lena wanted to reach out and slap one of their hands to answer her own question, but instead she departed the ship. Once free of the twins' rhymes, Lena willed herself her own structure, a twisting tower like you would find at the top of a castle, but without the castle. Lena surged to the top of the tower, which nearly brushed the ice, and as she sometimes had over the past four winters, closed her eyes and spoke to the only friend who had ever been truly honest with her. Raymond, Lena said, I saw someone today. It was a surface child, and she was on top of the ice. I heard her laugh, and I heard someone calling her, and then she got away. I tried to catch her, but she... A voice seemed to call from somewhere deep within Lena, jerking her sideways and sending pieces of parapet flying. It was the voice that had called Claire, except it was calling for her instead. As Lena shook away the imagined sound, something drew her eyes upward. She looked from the ice to her hands. 
feeling like they had not always been blue, and almost, but not quite remembering what warmth felt like. Claire would be warm. The thought came unbidden and pulled Lena's gaze upward again. Claire would come back. She had to. After what could have been three weeks or two months, Lena had never been good at measuring time. The light shifted overhead, and Lena felt the slightest kiss of sunlight on her cheek. She flew toward the surface, and through the icy blur, Lena thought she saw skate blades gliding overhead. She watched for a moment in awe, and then panic set in. What if this was her only chance to have a friend again? Dizzy at the thought of losing Claire forever, Lena raised a shaking fist and rapped on the ice. In what seemed like an instantaneous response, the figure above collided with the ice with a thud. The shadow filled the patch of ice above Lena, but this time there was no laughter. Lena was quick. She pressed her face against the ice to one side of the shadow. Lena rarely ventured this high in the pond, and the solid dryness of the ice always surprised her. Hello? She said. Claire? For just a moment, Lena saw blurred eyes and a dark face. Then she heard a muffled scream as the figure jumped up, and the shadow quickly receded toward the shore. Lena pursued, this time keeping pace for nearly twice as long as before. But still, when the figure reached the shore, Lena could not follow. Lena buried her face in the muddy bank and screamed. As she did, she again heard someone calling her name. It was less of a call and more of a shriek. And then it was all shriek and no words. The possibility of seeing Claire. She was sure it had been Claire. Again, filled Lena with such desperation that her stomach ached. The other ice children either ignored her or took from her, but Lena sensed that Claire had something to give, and Lena had not been given anything in a long, long time. Lena thought that if she could talk to Claire, a bit of warmth and joy might wake its way into the under, and maybe things could be how they once were. She hovered under the patch of ice, waiting for Claire's return. She did this every time she could see sunlight and did not retreat until all light drained away, occasionally scratching or tapping on the ice above to feel closer to Claire and the surface. Lena wondered how many ice children had waited like this. She wondered who had waited for her. She was engaged in such thoughts when the shadow returned. A soft thud sounded above Lena's head, and she moved as close to the ice as she could. The blurred face appeared above her. Are, are you still there? It was Claire's voice. Claire? Lena said, and Claire recoiled. Wait, don't, please? Claire's face returned. Sorry, she said. You're a little bit scary. Claire paused. Say, how do you know my name? Their conversation was muted, as though through a tunnel, but Lena could understand her clearly. I heard someone calling you, Lena said. The first time I saw you, she paused. You didn't see me that time. Oh, Claire said. That was my mom. Every word Claire spoke was like a little ray of warmth through the ice, and sometimes the warmth burned. The burn at the mention of the screaming woman from their first encounter was too much. Lena needed to change the subject. Do you like to skate? Lena asked, and she could almost feel herself gliding smoothly over the ice. What? Oh, yes, I do. These words muted the heat, now more of a comfort than a burn. Claire continued. It's just my mom thinks it's dangerous. She doesn't trust the pond to hold out, says I'll fall through. 
Lena heard a cracking sound from the corner of her memory and winced again. But it was less intense this time. Are you afraid, she asked. Are you afraid you'll fall? Claire laughed and Lena moved closer. The ice between them made the laugh sound far off, like it was coming from somewhere Lena couldn't quite reach. No, nothing scares me. Well, except you. She paused before adding, but not anymore. Claire's shadow shifted. Besides, I just come when she's sleeping. Mom sleeps a lot during the day, actually. Lena didn't know how to respond to any of this. She was overwhelmed and excited and somehow afraid of what Claire might say next. I'm sorry, what's your name? I didn't even ask you. Lena. Huh, Claire said. My mom had a sister named Lena. Lena shuddered. They used to live where we do now. We moved to the cabin to help when Grandma got sick. She died a few months back. The feeling of lying under a quilt, safe and warm, filled Lena's mind for a moment until the face of an older girl invaded the vision, scorching it around the edges. What's your mom's name? Lena asked, inching closer to the flame of Claire's voice. Claire's shadow shifted again, and Lena worried that she'd upset her, that maybe she'd leave now. It's Margaret, she said finally, but everyone calls her Maggie. The name set Lena's thoughts afire. What happened to her sister? She asked, needing a break between nearly every word. She died, or they think she did. She must have. They never found a body, though. Mom was a lot older, and she was supposed to have been watching her. Mom and Grandma fought a lot after that. Claire trailed off before asking, Hey, what are you? I... I don't understand. Like, how did you get down there? There aren't even fish in this pond anymore. Are you a mermaid or something? Raymond had told Lena that there used to be fish. They had disappeared a long time ago, though. Even Raymond hadn't known why. I'm just down here, Lena said. I've always been down here. I... I'm an ice child. An ice child? Claire asked. I've never heard of that. Claire moved her face closer to the ice. I can't see you very well, she said. Not much to see, Lena answered, dragging a fingernail across the underside of the ice and sending a curl of frost receding toward the pond's floor. She didn't want to explain herself anymore. She didn't want to tell Claire about the other children. She just wanted Claire to keep talking, because even though the warmth of her words hurt, they made Lena feel more real somehow, and Lena needed that. Listen, Claire said, I have to go. Mom will be up soon, and she'll never let me out of the house again if she knows I've been here. Wait, Lena started, but Claire was already on her feet, skating for shore. Do you remember that surface child I told you about? Lena asked. Edna was silent, still as the water around her. She talked to me, asked how I got down here. Edna closed her eyes but made no move to speak. Was I one of the children who fell, like they used to? Claire's mother had a sister, Lena. Edna opened her eyes, pain filling the icy blueness of them. You were mine, she rasped. Yes, you fell too. You were skating, but it was too thin. Edna's voice caught a bit. It shouldn't have been so thin, but it was. And as she said this, Lena could almost remember. It felt like remembering the feeling of a dream, but not knowing what it was about. And you saved me. Yes. 
To save one, you have to take out the warmth. They can't live down here with that, but with the warmth goes the memory. Everyone starts over down here. Lena took a breath. Did everyone come from the surface? All of us? I think so, Edna said. I can't know that for sure. I can only remember the ones who came after me, and most of them are gone now. But I remember you, and I remember Rebecca and Julian. They came down together. I remember when Matteo fell. I don't remember a time before Raymond. I think he's the one who saved me. But that was long ago. Lena still could not remember. Only the shrieking was left, but excitement quickly overtook it. Maybe Claire will fall, she said. Edna's eyes brightened. She might. Claire would be new. She could make things good again. Would you do that? Edna asked. Would you save Claire for us? Of course, Lena said. I'm tired of alone. Claire spread out on her belly on the ice. She had not visited in what seemed a long time, and Lena had been antsy. Sorry, Claire said. The single word left Lena slightly singed, and she wanted more. Mom's been having a hard time. She always does in winter. I think it's... How old are you? Lena had not spoken to anyone since her conversation with Edna, and her voice came out rushed and clipped. Uh, twelve, but I'll be thirteen next month. Claire paused dragging a gloved finger through the frost covering the ice. How old are you, Lena? I... I'm not sure. At the fuzzy edge of something like memory, Lena saw an older girl, someone who loved her and protected her. Say, how old was your mom's sister when she... Well, mom was 19, I think, so that would have made her sister 11. Lena felt herself swoon slightly, certain now that she was also 11 and that she had been 11 for a very long time. Are your friends twelve, too? She asked a little breathlessly. Claire sat up, her blurred face blending into the rest of her shadow. I don't really have any, she said. They just kind of stopped coming around once my grandma got sick. But they could visit, Lena said, nervously scraping the ice with a nail. She imagined how warm they would all be, Claire and her friends. They could skate with you. You could be friends again. Claire's shadow shifted slightly. I don't think so. Why not? It just doesn't work like that, Claire said. We don't talk anymore, and I had to change schools. And Mom doesn't really like visitors. Even before everything happened, she liked to keep to herself. Lena was overwhelmed with the feeling of a shy, reserved presence. She sighed, working the edge out of her voice. That's okay, she said. Then a thought occurred. We can be friends then. Claire shifted again, hesitating. The, that's sweet of you. You should visit more often, Lena paused as though deciding something. It's lonely when you're gone. Is it just you down there? Yes, Lena lied. There used to be others, but they went away. Claire's shadow was still for a moment. Lena, did you ever have a sister? Lena shrank back from the ice. No. It's just, my mom's sister, she drowned and I was wondering... It's just me, Lena said, and I've always been here. Listen, I have to get back. Mom will be waking up soon. And before Lena could respond, Claire's shadow began to move away. When Claire was completely gone, Lena again slid a fingernail along the underside of the ice. Pressing harder this time, she scraped off a thin mist of shavings. Claire didn't understand how important it was for them to be friends, but she would. 
And so Lena lingered there, scraping at the barrier between her and the warmth of her new friend until the sun was gone. That night, just as Lena was nearly to dreaming, Edna appeared at her feet. Lena sat up, dispersing her sleeping mat and waiting for the other to speak. But Edna floated silently, staring down at Lena. Edna? Lena said at last. Yes, Edna said, her voice a slowly clearing rasp. Did you see her today, the girl from the surface? I did. And will she be back? Do you think she'll fall? I... I think so, Lena said. I told her we could be friends. Edna's eyes widened, a hungry look growing in them. When will she be back? Lena shrugged. Edna, is it okay to... to help them fall? Edna's blue-tinged ear twitched. Do you mean to thin the ice? Uh, yes, I guess so. Would that... would that be bad? Edna moved closer, close enough to touch. We used to do it sometimes, just when we needed more friends. Mateo did it a lot. Raymond was always very mad when we did. So it is bad, then. Edna looked away before placing a hand on Lena's forearm. Lena shivered. My hands are colder than yours, Edna said. Did you know that? Lena shook her head. You think that we don't talk to you because we don't want to? But really, we can't remember how. I don't. Raymond said that the other ice children disappeared because they were lonely, that we saved the surface children because we were bored, but that was never it. He didn't understand. You don't either, Lena, because you're the newest, but you will soon. Lena retreated slightly, putting distance between herself and Edna. I don't remember how to start talking anymore. Someone has to talk to me first, and then I can, but I can't start it. Rebecca and Julian, they were twins before, on the surface, always together. They can only remember how to talk to each other. To save a surface child, we have to take away their warmth. And the longer we're down here, the colder we get. And with the warmth goes the memory, Lena said. Edna nodded. Yes. She advanced toward Lena. Do you remember that you used to sing? Lena gave her head a single shake. You did, all the time, but now it's gone. Sing me something. Lena tried to think but could not find what singing was. I can't, she said, because you forgot, and you'll forget more the colder you get. Edna began to drift back and forth in front of Lena as though pacing. Mateo and the others didn't leave because they wanted to bring back children. They left because they were so cold that they forgot they couldn't go. You can't be warm and live down here, and once you're here, you can't go back. The reason we saved those children and helped some of them fall was because new children help us remember what it's like to be warm. When the new children stopped coming, we couldn't remember anymore. But Raymond always said it wasn't fair. Not fair. Not fair. Lena drew her limbs close to herself, as though afraid that Edna would take them from her. If Raymond saved you, Lena started, then he'd have to understand. Edna shook her head. He was different. Raymond was always different. Who saved Raymond? Edna shrugged. We never knew, and he wouldn't say. I think maybe Raymond saved himself. I think maybe he was the first. But Raymond left. He must have been cold, too. Maybe, Edna said. Or maybe he knew what he was doing. Maybe he didn't want to watch us forget anymore. Edna closed in on Alina again, grabbing her by the collar. You have to save Claire, she said. 
We need her, Lena. You have to save her. I... I'm cold. And it was true. Lena could feel the chill through her frayed shirt. You're the newest, Lena, which means one day you'll be all alone. Alone for real. Things didn't used to be like this. We used to have fun. We used to be happy. You're still warmer than I am, Lena, but touching you is like remembering my name. Touching a surface child would be like remembering who I am. Claire can help all of us. Lena pulled back, breaking Edna's loose grasp. Okay, she said. I'll save her. Thank you, Edna said, and she wrapped her arms around Lena tight enough to hurt. Lena felt a chill run through her, a chill that she was sure would stay there now, for always, although she couldn't remember why. Whenever the sun broke through the ice, Lena raced toward the surface to wait for Claire, and each time Claire did not arrive, Lena worked at scraping the ice. She would drag her nails back and forth, shaving off the thinnest layers, until by the time Claire returned, their patch of ice was noticeably thinner. Claire arrived this time not in skates, but in boots, and she squatted over the patch rather than lying on her belly. Sorry, Lena, she said, and her voice sounded hoarse, not quite warm enough to burn just yet, and Lena ached to get closer to her. Mom's been really bad lately. I think she knows I've been skating on the pond. She won't say anything, but she hid my skates. As Claire said this, Lena almost felt that it had happened to her instead. Lena had found her skates, though, hadn't she? Listen, Lena, Claire started. I don't think that I'll be able to come back. It's getting late in the season, and Mom's probably right that it's not so safe now. No, Lena said. You have to come back. Lena remembered falling on the ice, someone carrying her, a sprained wrist. She remembered an arm around her shoulder and a kiss on her forehead. If anything happens, I can save you, she said. That's very kind, Lena, Claire said, but her voice did not have the same warmth as her words. I just don't... Oh, no. What is it? I think my mom is outside the cabin, I think. And then Lena heard it, the screaming woman. Claire, Claire, come back. Lena imagined that voice, Maggie, calling her own name, ordering her down from a tree branch or away from a ravine. I have to go, Claire said, straightening up. No, you can't leave. I have to save you. The light shifted as Claire turned to go, and Lena pounded her fist against the ice. A sickening crack echoed through the under, and with the crack came a flood of heat. In seconds, Claire was submerged in the water, Lena catching her in her arms. Lena could feel Claire's warmth, and she suddenly had the urge to sing. She knew what singing was now. And then Lena felt a hand tugging at first one leg, and then both. Lena looked down into the depths, to see Edna's hands around her ankles. The heat from Claire's body was almost unbearable, but Lena could feel it draining, little by little, and as Claire became colder, Lena began to fill with warmth. She looked at the girl in her arms and saw not Claire but herself, and Edna holding her. Lena remembered the struggle to break through the surface and the fear as she was pulled down. Someone above was screaming, but that too was fading as Lena descended into the depths, Edna's hands leeching the warmth through her body. That was when she heard it, the shriek. Maggie screamed for Claire, just as she had screamed for Lena back then. Lena looked at Claire's face and saw her lips beginning to go blue, and she felt the tug of the other ice child at her ankles again. Let go, she said, kicking at Edna. Save her, Edna rasped. Save her. She would save her, 
but not for Edna and the ice children. She would save her for Maggie, Maggie who had always looked out for Lena, but still couldn't save her all those years ago. Lena closed her eyes and kicked against the water. Edna fell away, and Lena felt the light and warmth of the surface. And then she felt air and snow-covered ice. She thrust Claire's body onto the ice and pulled herself out. Lena could feel every part of her wanting to float away, as though she, like most everything else in the world beneath the ice, were formed from fragile water droplets. She willed herself together and scooped Claire into her arms. Lena began to sing. She couldn't remember learning the song, but still, she knew every word. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling. Lena walked. She pointed herself in the direction of the shore, and she moved. Oh, my darling, Clementine. Lena felt her feet begin to fade away and saw that her hands were losing color and shape, but she willed her arms to stay together just for a bit longer. You were lost in... She could see the woman on the shore, frozen to the spot like she had lost her own warmth as well. Gone forever. What was left of Lena's feet stepped onto the shore. Dreadful sorry. Claire? The woman breathed, interrupting Lena's song. Then she followed the arms holding her daughter. Lena? Maggie, Lena said. And as her legs and arms and face dispersed, she remembered all of it. That was It Thaws in Spring by Brittany M. Perkins. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Or, better yet, share the magazine and podcast with a friend. If you'd like to listen to more speculative fiction, visit us online at magazine.metaphoricist.com or on Twitter at metaphoricistmag.com.